0: Hey guys, this is Brittany Taylor from Attracted to Healthy. I wanted to start this podcast to kind of talk about my life. Um, I've had an interesting life. My mom's had a more interesting one and I'm going to drag her onto the show pretty soon too, but I started Attracted to Healthy to help people be attracted to what is healthy for them. I realized that that was a huge struggle for me when I was trying to break free of old traumatic patterns in my life that were replaying themselves over and over in my romantic relationships. And so... um, I wanted to be able to help people figure out the, the process or the steps to sort of coming from a place of higher self-worth and actually saying, no, I deserve better and I'm going to do what it takes to sit in the discomfort of this and I'm going to understand how to choose better for myself, even if it means I don't like it at first or whatever. And so I realized though that in order to reach people, I've got to tell my story And I've got a juicy one, a lot of juicy ones. And I want to be out there. I want to be telling my story because I realized what it was like for me to crave somebody else's story. That I could see myself in so that I could just feel seen, accepted, not judged. And it almost gave me space to heal myself. So I want to do that for other people. And I feel like a podcast might be a great way to do that. However, I do want to warn you, I'm starting it off with a bang. While I have a lot of plans for this podcast and a lot of topics that aren't necessarily going to be as controversial, I do want to warn you, lovingly and compassionately warn you that this particular podcast, this first episode is about my abortion in 2020. It's not what you think. I can imagine that perhaps your brain might go to, oh, she's going to talk about the trauma of abortion and the the condition of the clinic or the guilt that she had to process during COVID-19 or I don't know. I'm just making assumptions and projecting, I guess. But my brain goes there when I hear abortion. And this actually is more about... Um, the ability to make a choice for yourself um, especially as a woman uh, the ability to make a choice for yourself that you feel is right in your own body and perhaps offering up a spiritual perspective as well the spiritual perspective is more indicative of abortion not being what we think it is and that is the scariest part about what i'm sharing because I know that it takes a certain level of (laughs) woo-woo beliefs in order to accept that without a whole lot of cognitive dissonance and I know that a lot of people are going to listen to this story and this is going to be very confronting to them and so I want to give a loving notification right now that if you are not ready to hear somebody else's spiritual perspective that may actually support abortion and a woman's right to choose what happens with her body, then I'm I'm going to encourage you to either listen with an open mind if you can muster it, but if you cannot, perhaps wait until my next story. Because I don't want to hurt you with my story. I only want to help those who are seeking it. That's all I'm going to say for now. I'm sitting in my car with a glass of wine. Everything's turned off. I'm just sitting in the parking lot trying to have some good acoustics because everybody in the apartment is sleeping and I can't sleep. So, um, So I'm literally just sitting out in the parking lot and hoping that this launch is going to be meaningful to me. And that if it helps even just one woman, that I will have done a good job. Anyway, I love you all. And thank you for being here. And I will see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Um, (laughs) I'm here sitting in my car in an apartment complex in Atlanta, uh, because there's no privacy in the apartment right now. And, um, so I am going to do this from my car, but you know what? I think the acoustics in the car will probably prove to be pretty nice. Maybe not as nice as a microphone at home, but that's okay. Anyway, I felt really inclined to go ahead and try to get this abortion story out of my system. It's been weighing on me ever since I decided to do a podcast and um, it's, it's just been this, this thing that needs to come out of me and I've been told on multiple occasions just in this one week to stop making myself small and to stop hiding my story and stop worrying about how other people will receive it. So in the intro, I will have described the nature of this talk so as to provide a trigger warning to anyone who may not be ready to hear my story. And I want to um, just go ahead and see if I can't get this out. The last time I tried this, and I might say this in the intro, the last time I tried this, I um, had to record it, then I lost the recording, it just deleted so I recorded it again and it deleted and then the third recording I was on my third glass of wine and I started not sounding so eloquent and so I had to delete the third recording the next day when I went to listen back to it and realized it sounded like I was drunk and talking to myself it was I didn't realize how much wine I was having in the frustration of losing all of my recordings so anyway all right this has to be getting boring so I am going to to start now. In order to tell you about my abortion story, I've got to go back. I have to go back to when I was 19. My abortion story actually starts with my miscarriage story because if I don't tell you the whole picture, you won't know all of the reasoning and experience I have had with pregnancy that got me to this decision in 2020. So I guess I didn't get an abortion this year cuz it's January 2nd. So um forgive me for that. I I'm losing track of time already. <clears throat> when I was 19, I took a break from college because I was changing my major relentlessly. It was five times I changed my major because I just thought it was cruel that I would have to choose one thing to do with my life. And I couldn't really conceptualize majoring in one thing and then changing my mind after I acquired a degree. So I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to Take a break from college, then I'm going to also make a really big move so I can learn something about myself. That was my biggest goal was to learn something about myself. And I didn't feel like I was going to succeed at that if I stayed in my hometown. I'm sure a lot of 19 year olds feel this way. And so with a thousand bucks in my bank account and with, um, a lot of like vacuum sealed bags of clothes, I packed up my little Chevy Aveo and I headed across the country to California. And I was with my boyfriend at the time, um, who later became my husband, but we were driving across country. And when we reached Yuma, Arizona, we took a break and we slept there and then our last trek of the, the trip was the next day. So we go to a hotel room and I'm, I'm feeling a little queasy and I'm feeling like a little lightheaded, but I just got on birth control and I thought these are all symptoms of pregnancy, but everybody warned me birth control is going to be like this. So I'm sure these are just symptoms of this heavy dose of hormones And I had one friend say, just take a test. No big deal. Just take a test, rule it out. And sure enough, in Arizona, the day before I arrive in California to start this new adventure, I find out that I'm pregnant. So of course I'm like devastated because here I came to learn all these things about myself. And now I'm realizing that I might have to go back home. I don't know that I have the support system to get through this. So we're driving from Arizona to California and my then boyfriend looked at me and said, you know what? I wanted to marry you anyway. So, I mean, this just kind of speeds up the timeline a little bit, but let's go ahead and do it. And I was like, okay. You know, I mean, my brain as a 19 year old just was so happy to be chosen at that point. And So we eloped, but three days before the elopement on Coronado Island, I began to bleed and I went to the hospital and they warned me that I was having a miscarriage. And, um, so I was actually miscarrying on the day that we got married. Um, but I felt like I was going to make this a special day and this was going to be worth it and that this was all still supposed to happen. And so I grieved a lot, but I had just gotten married. So I wasn't going back to Georgia. I was going to stay in California until his time in the Marine Corps was up. And then we would potentially move back to Georgia. So my grieving still had to happen on the other side of the country, away from my family and friends. And so one of the ways that I coped with that was I joined a pregnancy resource center and I did this this weekend 40-hour training and... um or maybe it was like 20 hour training and, um, learned how to talk and counsel young girls or really anybody that walked into a pregnancy resource center. And that became like my little, um, transmuting or transmutation of what had happened to me, my pain, So, all that grief was transmuted into helping these women who were coming into the Pregnancy Resource Center with crisis pregnancies who just needed comfort. And I was able to do that with them, and that helped me heal. And then, four years later, um, my now husband or then husband, um, we had a house, we had a fenced in backyard, we had a couple of beautiful dogs. We were living um pretty well as far as we had a good budget. We weren't suffering financially or anything like that. Um, and sure enough, unsuspecting, we found out we were pregnant. And he, um, he and I were happy. We were a little nervous because we weren't expecting it, but we were happy because we were in this place where we could welcome a child and people might actually be happy for us. They might feel a little excited and not so concerned about our decision-making skills or whatever. And so we brought our little girl into the world. And um, shortly after, when she was about a year and a half, he and I separated. And I won't go into the details of why that all fell apart. But the important part to know is that I did not cope with that very well, I numbed. And I didn't numb with drugs, I numbed with attention. And so what I mean by that is I was afraid to come home after work to be alone. And so instead, um when I would get help from family members and not have my daughter with me, whether it be the weekend or just a couple nights where she might stay with my grandmother just so I could work and get some sleep and cope with the divorce. Um I wouldn't want to go home, so I'd go out to the bars and I would inevitably run into people that I knew and I felt like that was safe, it was fine, I was in my hometown. And, and, but secretly, or maybe not so secretly, I was going to these bars to get attention because I desperately wanted some good-looking guy to just look at me and sort of make me feel like I still had something. Because at that time, my self-worth was in the gutter. My confidence was really low. And I felt like this washed up mom who's about to lose her house, who works at the YMCA and makes such little money. And she has nothing to offer, at least in my brain. That was how I thought of myself back then. And so this one guy comes up to me and I feel like he is so handsome and he um begins to talk to me and i try to be witty and the next thing you know we are chatting up a storm and i don't realize he's tipsy or anything we're just having a good time and i latched to him i left that night thinking that was the coolest night of my life that i that my life wasn't over and i was just so looking forward to seeing this person again. It was so immediately after separating from my husband, there was no processing whatsoever. And four months later, I was pregnant with his child. Of course it was unexpected. I would call it a crisis pregnancy because I had to go through the motions and make the decision to either keep or, um, Potentially have an abortion in the pregnancy. And I didn't feel like I could have an abortion because I was already a mother. And so that felt really strange and conflicting to me. I felt like maybe an abortion would make me closed off to my current daughter and that I would be a less loving mom, that I would be so wounded and so scarred that I would not love my child well enough. That was the thinking that I had. And so when I chose to continue with the pregnancy, not knowing if this person was going to be there for me or be in my daughter's life, um, my new daughter's life, I just had to face the humiliation of being pregnant by someone else before my divorce was even finalized. And I carried that cross or I, I don't want to say carried that cross, but I, um, like I ate my words. I ate crow. I, I sucked it up. That was my burden to me. I can't hide a pregnant stomach. I lived that. So I started seeing my resilience and my strength and being able to face people when they would say, oh, did you and your husband reconcile? And I'd be like, nope, not his baby. And I I realized I that was the moment in my life where I had to begin the process of um, letting go of what people thought of me. And it has taken five years to get from just that tiny inkling of trying to let go of what people think of me to where I am now. Whereas I I really have like five percent of myself actually caring about what people think of me, which is amazing. Cause I I can't even believe I'm here in life right now. I can't I just can't believe that I've made it to a point where I don't care. Um This is still terrifying. But at the end of the day, I'm able to go to sleep at night knowing that I just, I don't care anymore. And neither should you. If you've got a truth to tell, stop caring what people think. They don't live your life. Okay, back to my story. The problem that I have with what I did is that I didn't process what was going on. And so what, what that did was that made me a magnet to everything that would hurt me. And I ended up in this trauma bonded situation ship (laughs) where I was carrying this man's baby, but never actually felt fully accepted or loved. And I hadn't even grieved my marriage. And so I bring this baby into the world. And the way that I coped was I poured my life into I poured my life or my identity into that relationship and I did everything that I could to look nice. I wore makeup. All I wouldn't even take my makeup off at night. I I poured into his business ideas because I just wanted to feel like I gave him something of value because I did not feel valued in that relationship and I kept telling myself that I was going to be blessed or rewarded in some way for this decision, that that our life was going to turn around and that we were going to have this successful business and we were going to have this amazing testimonial of choosing life. And in fact, today, three weeks after I got married um, this past year, I was served um, custody papers or a lawsuit from this same person. And um, I still struggle. I am still struggling with co-parenting, with um, just everything you could think of with regard to leaving a person and then having to co-parent with them and it not being a friendship, not being a great dynamic right now. And I look back on that and I thought, you know, I stayed in a trauma-bonded, emotionally abusive relationship with an alcoholic for four years and I completely became a shell of myself because I thought I had nothing to offer. And I did that mainly because I was pregnant with his child. And I just kept writing this story in my head and trying to make everything that I experienced with him fit that narrative that I was writing for my life, because that was the only way that I could cope with my decisions and feel better and sort of numb the shame around unplanned pregnancies and failing again and again and again, which is what I felt like at the time. Eventually, I leave him. Because he, with an ultimatum, still chose to drink. And I felt like we weren't going to get anywhere in our relationship. So I finally had the courage to pack up everything and just start over. And... It took about two moves, but we got to, uh, the mountains in Georgia really. And, um, I stayed in a basement at my mother's and I started to rebuild my life. And when I felt safe to begin to dip my toes in the water to date again, I decided that this time would be different. I was going to, I was going to find somebody that was good to me. And if I didn't think that that was sexy or attractive, I was going to lean into that shit. (laughs) I was like, can I cuss? Yes, it's my podcast. I was going to lean into that shit until it was attractive to me. I had been reading about trauma bonds and, you know, attachment styles. And I recognized that my attachment style might not necessarily jive with somebody that is emotionally available, but by God, I am going to sit down and I'm going to sit in the discomfort until I am attracted to what is healthy for me, which is why I named my business Attracted to Healthy. That was my mission and I met somebody that was so good to me and all I wanted to do was continue to friend zone him <laughs> because he was too nice. He was too nice and I just didn't know how to accept that kind of that kind of care and love and the you can do no wrong. I, I think you're wonderful. And I I'm, I didn't know how to respond to somebody that didn't have a problem with me on some level, didn't want to fix me on some level, didn't, you know... I mean, it was just showered with compliments, but not in a narcissistic way, but in a genuine, like he just really cared about me. And so I stayed with it, broke up with him a couple times, tried to just do the friend thing because I was still thinking I had to earn some sort of love. And eventually, um, COVID hits and my mother gets it. And so I temporarily stay with him. Um, which I had been planning on potentially staying with him anyway because I really loved the area that he lived and I I thought maybe this would be a great arrangement because I was really falling for him, really, really falling for him and I felt so safe and so loved. So COVID really just kind of confirmed all of that move. Well, I move in, my girls move in shortly after they get back from their dads and um, And we get engaged. He surprised me and it was so beautiful. The most beautiful ring ever. And I was so excited because I wasn't pregnant before somebody asked me to marry them. And It was the best feeling in the world. And lo and behold, three weeks later, I find out that I'm pregnant. And I keep thinking, everybody's going to think, everybody's going to think, everybody's going to think that he only proposed to me because I've got a baby on the way that this is just some shotgun wedding again. And Brittany just literally can't keep her legs closed, which is not the case, (laughs) but I just feel like my eggs drop every time I meet a new man. So I have to be extra careful about dating new people. (laughs) Um, wow. I can't believe I just said that. Um, anyway, so, We, we begin to plan a wedding and because I'm a wedding planner at the time, it didn't take very long to plan this wedding and get things in motion. So we ended up getting married in October of 2020 and three weeks later, we get the lawsuit for the custody battle. So we realized, okay, we're starting this marriage off with a little bit of stress. It's going to be hard. Wait, what the heck am I doing right now? I didn't even talk about the abortion. Okay, let me back up. Let me back up. Okay, I find out that I'm pregnant. And initially, I'm excited. And then it starts to hit me and I almost feel like this out of body experience. So imagine I get engaged in March, and then right at the beginning of April, find out that I'm pregnant. I have a little bit of shame because I'm thinking other people won't notice the timeline and they'll think that we're only engaged because I'm pregnant. And that is a core thing for me because of my past and my past pregnancies, my past marriage. Um, so that being said, I thought, okay, if I work through that, everything is going to be fine. We make good money. We're going to be okay. I can stay home. This is all perfect timing. It's going to work out fine. I'm in a great place. I'm in a great place in a great relationship. This is wonderful, but my body just kept revolting, and I just felt so miserable and traumatized. And it was like I was reliving trauma. It was like, no, 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 no. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I kept having this ne- like this voice just saying, "You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this." And I just kept ignoring it and thinking, "I'm just having a hard time." I'm just having a hard time accepting all the good things in my life that are happening right now. And I just kept pushing. And I grappled with that decision for about five weeks until finally one day, one day I just looked at my husband and I said, I can't do this. I cannot I've tried so hard to sit with this. I've tried talking to coaches. I have tried talking to friends. I have tried talking. Well, I've tried thinking about it. I've journaled about it. I just cannot reconcile. This is not the right time. And I can't explain why I just can't do it. And so he said, well, that's okay. I totally understand. And your mental health comes first, Brittany. I care about you before anything else. And man, that was so sexy. That was the sexiest thing a man could have said when you're having to like spill your truth. And my entire body relaxed in that moment when I realized I could still be accepted and loved and make the tough decision. That was true to me. And so I make this decision and we schedule the appointment a week later when my daughters are with their dads so that they don't see me recovering. They have no idea. Um, and I go and I spend $500 on the procedure. And um, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't even have that much money right now um, for my own personal bank account because we were like dealing with the furloughs and all of that stuff for COVID. So um, so I go and I have the procedure and I'm so relieved. It was a little painful afterwards, but I was extremely relieved and at peace. And I remembered saying to my best friends, I feel like this little spirit entered me when I got pregnant. But its mission wasn't to be born. Its mission was to tell me to stop being a victim of circumstance. Stop letting life happen to me and start living it the way I want to live it. I have more power and control than I give myself credit for. That was absolutely the message that I walked away with from my abortion. And I know that that that's the hardest thing for me to say. Out of all of this, I can tell you everything that has happened in my life. I can tell you my mistakes and my fears and my struggles, but that statement right there is the hardest one to say out loud. Not because I don't believe it's true, but because I know that some people will not resonate and I will lose people that are not for me. And I am having to face that very real reality in this moment. And it's so much scarier than I thought. But I'm going to do it anyway. Because somebody else out there is looking for me and looking for this message. And I am here for you. I am here for you, girlfriend. I am here. So, fast forward to the wedding. It's beautiful. It's in October. The day was Stunning. It was a little cloudy. It ended up raining during the ceremony, but not so much that we were drenched, but we were like, well, it's borderline. But everybody's like, oh, it's such a great conversation piece. It was so beautiful, so perfect. And I remember my vows had my um, story of my inner child and how safe she felt, how excited I was to model this healthy version of love for my daughters, and how important it was to me to choose him and that they chose him. And three weeks later, we get this lawsuit and that adds a little wrench in our levels of stress because we're already stressed because of COVID. But then three weeks after that, I get a message from a girl saying that she's actually matched my husband on Tinder. I'm sorry. Three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks after that. I can't believe I'm like, wait, Did that really happen that recently? Yeah, it did. So she gave me enough detail and a screenshot to let me know that this was not a lie and this couldn't have been anybody else. This was in fact him. And so I called him while he was on a work trip and I asked him some details of which he denied. And then once I provided evidence, all of a sudden things around our marriage just began to crumble. And that same week I thought I might be pregnant. And I thought, that little spirit's going to join me again. And this time, maybe I'll get to have him or her. Um, because I was ready. And I had told my husband, I'm ready. And I think it would be really sweet. So sweet to be pregnant again. Because I, I look forward to having another child. And what do you know? I confront my husband And his behavior and his actions after that confrontation completely took a 180. I don't know that I can get into everything that happened after I confronted him about just the Tinder account, just that alone. But I can say he did not come home. He chose to come and get the camper And stay away from me until our counseling session. Because of course I scheduled counseling to um, try to work through this. I thought, well, we just got married and it's been perfect up until now. I'm not going to give up. And then with each passing day, I just felt less and less inclined to work on it. And I just couldn't pinpoint why. I just kept thinking this keeps going on if this keeps dragging out I can't with each passing day I'm losing my resolve to make this work and he shows up grabs the camper and says he's going to be gone for the weekend and that he will come back for counseling on Monday and on Monday morning he shows up not for counseling though because that's not until the evening He shows up so he can pack up his things because he's going to sell off the house. He's going to live in the camper. He's going to buy some land. And he's going to sell all the things that we got for the wedding and some of my shoes and take back my wedding rings because apparently I've spent all of his money. Which couldn't be further from the truth. And there's enough evidence to prove it. And when I said I wouldn't be giving him back the rings because they were my property and because he was obviously going on this like tirade about selling everything else we had that was literally the only thing I had to hold on to to maybe be able to rebuild financially um so I said no and he notified me that he would destroy me that he would ruin my custody battle and that I would deeply regret it and that my daughter would lose her mother all because her mother was a selfish person a super small selfish, rotten person. I believe his term was ungrateful shitbag. And I looked at the date and wouldn't you know, my marriage fell apart on the day that my baby was due. So when I think about that sweet spirit, that came into me when I was pregnant, I believe that it, it like hung out with me for a little while. It was trying to teach me and stir me up inside. And when I think about that sweet little spirit, I thought of it as a friend, as a guide, as this thing that really loved me, that wanted me to see something a little differently than what I had historically seen, that wanted me to take my power back. And I can, I can, probably provide some sort of evidence if anybody doesn't believe I back in May when I did have the abortion um, I remember I told my girlfriends my two best friends I told them I feel like the message was loud and clear that I am supposed to take charge of my life that I keep just being like well Whatever happens, happens. No big deal. We'll adjust when it happens. And that somehow I was supposed to get a different message this time. I was was supposed to see that I did not have to conduct my life that way. Because if I continued to conduct my life that way, I would never see how much power I really had in choosing my own path, carving out my own path in life. And I believe that that spirit was with me when my marriage fell apart. And I remember I told everybody just about everybody that I was close with that it was an abortion, except for my mother, except for my ex sorry, I didn't mean to smack my lips um and except for Randy's parents, which I let him tell oh i except for my ex husband's parents i I let him tell um them what he felt comfortable with. And I told him that my comfort level with people would be to say it wasn't a viable pregnancy because there was some truth to that in that it wasn't viable to me, but I wouldn't focus on the word miscarriage and I wouldn't play out a miscarriage narrative so that people would feel bad or feel like they needed to step in and do anything extra. I would just simply say Hey, it wasn't a viable pregnancy. We've had a procedure to um to go ahead and do a and C. Everything's okay. I've all is well. I have a great support with my husband. So thank you so much for your concerns. But we are actually doing quite well. And it wasn't to mislead people, it was to actually be more conscious and careful about their preconceived notions, their triggers, and their fears around the topic because it is so controversial. And quite frankly, I didn't want to invite those conversations with people that didn't hold a safe space for me while I was healing and grieving because there's still the very human part of me that grieved that process, that grieved that baby, But there's the spiritual side of me that sort of rejoiced because, again, I felt like this spirit was a part of me for a period of time to teach me a lesson. It wasn't to be born. It was to teach me something about this life that I'm living. And it is not this hedonistic, selfish um, expression of how I think I should conduct my life. If anything, it's lending to helping other women who have had abortion heal Heal their relationship to this narrative that we live with, and per- perhaps just consider an alternative that it's not necessarily what we think it is, at least not to some people. I am one of those people that now her- holds the firm belief that it doesn't have to be what we think it is. It doesn't have to be murder. Perhaps there's a spiritual side or explanation to this that makes a lot of sense to a lot of us out here, and we simply just don't carry in our hearts the same narrative and that's the beauty of living in this world with free will and with all of this amazing intersectionality of experience in life you can't see through my lens and I can't see through yours and at the end of the day it is an agreement to disagree if we disagree And at the end of the day, we both have our right to share this story. But I've been on both sides. And I've looked at it logically from my personal point of view. And I've seen what choosing life got me. And I've seen what choosing abortion got me. They're both hard. So... I guess the only thing I could say is at the end of the day, I'm the one that's got to pay the price. I got to live with it. Whatever I decide or whatever I did decide, I have to live with that. I live with the judgment. I live with the grief. I live with the physical repercussions, the physical pain of an abortion. So that's on me. It has nothing to do with anybody else. So anyway, I wanted to start off my podcast with my abortion story because I think it's important to share my perspective. I don't hear it often, but I have read other perspectives that are similar to mine. And I figured if I could share my story in a podcast and perhaps I could share it with this, with this delivery that might be more palatable, but to be honest, even if it's not. It's just not for you. If it doesn't feel like it resonates with you, then it's just not for you. I'm not on this mission to encourage everybody to get an abortion. I've been on both sides of the story and both sides are hard. Both of them. I am simply here to speak my truth. And my truth is a story of my life that you cannot take away or tell me any differently. It is my experience. It is my truth. Because I believe if I'm brave enough to share that truth, if even one other woman sees herself in me, she could heal. And I would do it for that one woman. Because this is the process of healing. This is how we heal the world. There will be people looking for this message and I hope they find me. I love you all. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for being here. And I can't wait until next time. I promise there's so much I want to give you. And I, I, I just, I'm really excited about this. I'm scared shitless, but I am so excited. And I hope you'll stay with me. Bye for now.